Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FX Talk as we convene ahead of a very busy and potentially highly volatile week in the currency market. Uh, the last few weeks have been a relatively quiet period. We've not seen too much in the way of major developments. Attention, at least in the last few days at least, has been firmly on China, where we are finally starting to see some signs of an easing uh, in the China's zero COVID policy, which has boosted CMY and risk currencies in general against the US dollar. Since our last episode, the main news story has continued continue to be this broad retracement in the dollar against pretty much every other currency. The US dollar index is down around about 8% since the late September peak. While part of this has to do with a general improvement in risk sentiment, as the market thinks that recessions may not be as bad as first feared. We're also seeing signs of a slowdown in US inflation and growing expectations that the Federal Reserve may perhaps deliver a dovish pivot at its meeting next week. Indeed, next week bodes to be a very busy one with a a handful of central bank announcements. On Wednesday, that's Wednesday the 14th of December, the FOMC will be meeting. The Fed is expected to return to a 50 basis point rate hike following four straight 75 BP1s. And the focus will be very much on the communication in the statement and Powell's press conference on a possible end date for the Fed's tightening programme. On Thursday, the European Central Bank and Bank of England will both be meeting. Again, both are expected to moderate the pace of hikes with 50 basis point moves of their own. Unlike in the US, though, inflation rates in both the euro area and the UK have yet to show any clear signs of a downtrend. So it'll be very interesting to see whether this perhaps encourages policymakers to signal more tightening will be required into 2023. So a very busy few days ahead. Uh, my question for you guys, what will be your sort of, or what will you be keeping closest eye on when the G3 central banks meet next week? Well, I think that what we're seeing everywhere is um, stabilization of inflation at unacceptably high levels. And for this, it's very important to look at the core indices, not the uh, headline. The core, the, the core indices exclude food and energy components and are tend to be stickier, more persistent. Um, everywhere in all the major economic zones, with the possible exception of Japan and Switzerland, but everywhere else you've seen numbers that are north of 5%. Uh, no, they have stabilized, they're no longer going up, but they're also not going down. Uh, so what we need to look for in the, the big three meetings next week is um, a sense of where the central banks see the risks. Um, the, uh, the idea is, are wages, are, are those prices going to come, those levels of inflation going to converge down to where wages are? Or is the opposite happening? Wages catching up with inflation with with uh, inflation levels and therefore generating second run effects. Uh, so far, frankly, I think that we're seeing more signs that wages are converging to where prices are, which which is something that the central banks mm, will not like to see. 
but uh, that's 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 the key: the evaluation of the risks of uh, of second running fans from from wages where we have where we have seen, especially in the U.S., uh, the f- signs that that wages are catching up to prices. Yeah, I think that broadly speaking. All of the major central banks are moving uh, away from focusing on inflation and focusing on growth and risks to growth. However, there are some countries that or economic areas that are better placed uh, to be thinking uh, about uh, easing the tightening process, about slowing down, and some countries that have a more difficult situation. And I think that um, countries that uh, have it pretty clear is the United States. I don't think that we are going to see anything else than slowdown in the pace of tightening, uh, as it was suggested by the um, Federal Reserve Chair Powell. So I think that 50 basis points is practically certain in the U.S., In the Eurozone, I think that um, this situation is more complicated because core inflation has stabilized. Yes, the inflation has fallen, but core inflation is stabilized. And uh, I see uh, big risks in the Eurozone. One uh, is the similar risk that Enrique mentioned, uh, so the uh, labor market situation. Although I wouldn't be uh, as worried about the second round effects, I think that wages are not responding to a higher inflation expectations, are just responding to a higher inflation that we have right now and that was in the past. Uh, nonetheless, there is some risk in the labor market and more primary, uh, and more importantly, in case of the Eurozone, there is some risk with the energy situation and also with other uncertainties that can influence the situation in the energy sector and in the uh, food sector, such as the war in Ukraine. So those risks are especially uh, concentrating right now in in Europe, I think. Uh, So um, that's why I think that the European Central Bank meeting could be more interesting. Uh, When it comes to the Bank of England, I think that this one uh, is uh, something that could be the most unexpected, particularly considering that the Bank of England has um, kind of a penchant for uh, mudding down waters. Uh, I don't think that they have been particularly clear, or at least they often made some turnarounds uh, from uh, being super dovish to then tightening uh, aggressively and and so on. So even though they are, uh, I think right now, relatively dovish and they are signaling it quite clearly, uh, I wouldn't rule out uh, that they might in fact uh, tighten more than they than they suggest. And I think that uh, the, there is the most uncertainty with the Bank of England. Mm, and also the risks to inflation, as in the ECB, I think that are uh, similar in the UK. So I think that also the Bank of England is in a relatively difficult situation. I would agree. Yeah, I mean, the Bank of England has been all over the place in the last few months. So it's, it's uh, so, yeah, anyone's guess really as to what sort of tone of communications we get from them uh, next week. Um, whatever happens, I think it's going to be a very, very hectic and potentially volatile period, no doubt. Um it, certainly a, a very eventful way to end the year. Uh, a quick plug, if you, if you are interested to hear more about our thoughts on these central bank announcements, we will be holding our latest global webinar just before all three central bank meetings. And that'll be held next Tuesday, which is Tuesday the 13th of December. And we'll be recapping 2022 and, and looking ahead at what to expect and what can what we we might think are the main drivers of currencies in 2023. Um, so you'll be able to find all the details and how you can sign up either on our website or on our LinkedIn page. So be, ch- be sure to check that out. I want to move on now and talk about something that I mentioned earlier, which was 
uh, the unwinding of COVID restrictions in China. Uh, now, for most of us, COVID and the COVID-19 pandemic seems like a bit of a distant memory and the tough measures and lockdowns very much a thing of the past. But for much of China, this has remained a reality. Authorities there have taken a much more strict approach. The government has stuck by its controversial zero COVID strategy, aiming to completely eliminate the virus rather than learn to live with it. We've seen citywide lockdowns, mass testing, and forced quarantines, to name a few. But we are finally seeing signs of a softening in stance following mass protests in the past few weeks. China has been more open to use of Western vaccines, while also ramping up its efforts to vaccinate the elderly. And today we have seen a number of additional measures dialed back, including an abandoning of quarantine camps, more targeted lockdowns, and a reduction in testing. Uh, these are baby steps so far, but it has at least uh, buoyed investors. We've seen a, a bit of a recovery in risk sentiment, and as I mentioned, a, a bit of a rebound in CMY. But over to you guys. I mean, what do you guys think um, of China's shift in stance towards COVID, particularly, of course, its potential impact on currencies next year? Uh, I think um, it's it's going to be uh, the main impact is going to be a tailwind on the risk assets, and, uh, and, and conversely, against uh, currencies that are seen as safe havens like the dollar, the uh, the Swiss franc. Um, I think that we are going to see the positive impact of this lifting of this, this draconian uh, restrictions over the next few months. Um, for now, the data that comes out of China is going to be rather hair-raising because it reflects the, uh, the very strict uh, lockdown measures of October and November. So we saw yesterday some pretty bleak trade numbers out of China. But over the next few months, uh, we're going to see, I think, a pretty sharp recovery. Uh, in, in numbers out of China, uh, consumption of uh, raw materials uh, and commodities. And I think that at the margin, this makes me more comfortable that uh, recessions next year worldwide will either be avoided altogether or be very shallow, and that it will be a better year for risk assets, including currencies other than the US dollar and especially emerging market currencies than where it's currently priced in. Yeah, I think that this uh, what is happening right now is quite big. As you may remember, I was not super convinced that uh, China is actually uh, significantly moving in the direction of lifting the restrictions. But over the past few weeks, we have moved from um, signals to actions and not only actions on the local level, but also on the state level. And I think that uh, the shift that we are seeing is uh, really something that, that was not expected, at least not uh, at this scale and at this point in time, when China is uh, battling a a significant increase in cases. Uh, just uh, in a few days ago, we have seen the uh, record numbers of cases. So at this moment, China is lifting restrictions, which on the one hand uh, is something that uh, I think everybody wanted from China so that uh, the situation could go back to normal. Mm, particularly, as you mentioned, Enrique, that it uh, affects the economic situation in China and this, uh, in, this uh, affects the situation uh, globally. Uh, however, I'm a bit worried with the pace of this lifting of restrictions. I'm, I think that uh, I'm very surprised that they're doing it uh, at such a rapid pace. 
Uh, and I think that this in itself is posing some risk uh, because if uh, I, there are significant doubts that China is prepared to, at, at this point, to meet new increases of cases, uh, to have the situation uh, deteriorate further. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that this is the right moment to do just that. Uh, plus, also, we have to consider that even if uh, the situation turns out good uh, and the economic situation in China uh, would improve, then it might have a, a pro-inflationary impulse globally. Uh, which could, uh, on the other hand, uh, dampen the situation in other economies, which is quite an, it's an interesting and a complicated story. And I think definitely this is something positive for uh, the one, but also this is something that is adding a number of risks. And in the coming weeks and months, we are going to see whether those risks materialize or not. Yes, it's interesting you mentioned those risks. And I think that's something that the market is is taking into account. I don't think we've seen the market get too carried away just yet. Um, it's likely that this unwinding of measures will be relatively gradual and perhaps not exactly a smooth process. Um, I mean, there, there are a couple of issues I see at least. I mean, first of all, the Chinese vaccines are not as effective as the Western ones, for starters. Uh, and second of all, the Chinese healthcare system is not as well equipped as some of the Western, Western nations. China, for instance, only has around a quarter of the intensive care beds per capita as the US. So no, this, this unwinding in, in measures probably likes to be a gradual process, as we mentioned, uh, and I suspect that this will be a theme that we do continue to talk about, at least in the first half of next year. Uh, but, you know, as we've been saying for a number of months now, something has to give and something has give, given. And I think we will continue to see news of an easing in measures in the coming months, which should be good news for the global economy. And indeed, I would suggest risk assets. Great. We're going we're gonna to finish now with our spotlight currency for the week, as voted for by our followers on LinkedIn. And just over half of you, 57%, voted for the Canadian dollar for this week's spotlight currency. Uh, and the Canadian dollar has been a bit of an interesting case. It's been actually one of the worst performing major currencies in the world in the past few months. Indeed, if we look over the last three and six months respectively, it has lost 4 and 8% of its value against the US dollar, putting it at the bottom of the FX performance tracker. Uh, what has driven this sell-off? Well, for starters, we've seen a bit of a retracement and drop in oil prices, to which the Canadian economy is very closely linked. Brent crude oil is down around about 35% or so since June. The Bank of Canada has also taken a dovish turn. Um, it's been one of the first to revert back to smaller increment rate hikes. It did raise rates again at its meeting earlier today um, by 50 basis points, which was larger than expected by uh, the market. But it also hinted that it may be done with the hiking process. Uh, and partly this this uh, this sell-off could be due to valuation, which may have played a role as well. If we look at the first half of the year, CAD was actually the best performer in the G10 behind only the US dollar. So this may partly be a retracement from rather lofty levels in trade-weighted terms. Uh, but over to you guys, and simple question, uh, as we usually do, do you think that the Canadian dollar is a buy, sell, or a hold opportunity? Enrique, what do you think? Well, so I was saying that I think I think this is a resounding buy. 
I think a lot of the risk factors that I've been talking about in terms of the Chinese reopening next year, um, the the uh, positive impact that that's going to have in commodity prices, uh, the general better than expected risk asset performance is all going to be uh, is it all going to be tailwinds for the Canadian dollar, which has like like you said, Matt, has underperformed pretty severely uh, this year. So you get a rare combination of of very good entry levels. The Canadian dollar still being cheap, still being in in trade weighted terms at probably some around the lowest of the year. Uh, while uh, most of the external environment turns in in favor of uh, of the Canadian dollar, not ex- not excluding these uh, significant hike in interest rates to uh, over four um, percent and uh, the potential for further hikes. So I I to me is a is a definite buy. To me, actually, this uh, hold uh, and maybe a hold at best. Because I think that the currency, and from my point of view, it is uh, rather similar to the United, to the US dollar. Uh, it moves uh, often uh, quite in tandem with the greenback, and the Bank of Canada moves similar to the Fed. We might be in a situation when where rates are uh, not raised uh, further in Canada, or at least they are not raised uh, to any significant extent. Uh, sorry, not not raised by any significant extent. Mm, economic data from Canada is mixed. Oil prices right now are in decline. Uh, so I think that there there is a number of factors uh, that uh, make m- other currencies, other G10 currencies, especially the high beta risky currencies, a, a better uh, alternative um, to the Canadian dollar. Uh, however, considering our view on oil prices, that they are likely going to uh, be, uh, that they're not going to see significant declines from current level, uh, considering our view on uh, the global economy, uh, which is relatively uh, positive, and it is unlikely to uh, put a, str- a significant strain on the oil prices. I think that the uh, Canadian dollar uh, shouldn't be weighed down by the situation in the commodity market in the medium and the longer term. Uh, however, uh, as the US dollar weak- weakens, I think that uh, other currencies will appreciate and definitely appreciate more than the Canadian dollar. So this would not be my first choice. I think perhaps it can retrace some of the losses against the US dollar. Uh, nonetheless, I don't see a significant appreciation potential. I see a similar view to you, actually, Roman. I think um, near term, I potentially, I, I would, I would hold. Um, I think this dovish Bank of Canada stance is a, a very bearish signal. Uh, it may be that we've seen the end of the hiking cycle from the Bank of Canada at a time when most other central banks still have a little ways to go. So that could weigh on the dollar. But I would still tentatively buy in the long term for reasons that both of you have mentioned, particularly we still have relatively elevated oil prices. Actually, data out of Canada has been relatively resilient, particularly, I would say, out of the labour market. But I would agree with you, Roman, probably better options out there. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>